Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 151. Ready, steady, still steady, staying steady. Uh, you know what, forget it, we'll just be steady. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Evan as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Hopefully I pronounced your name correctly, right? You did. It's my last name that throws people. <laughs> Dora, my last name throws people too, so that's why I just go by. Hobby. People are like, why would you? So like, people are like, do you have a podcast about yourself, Alex? I'm like, sure, yeah. 151 episodes about myself. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? Today is not about me. It's always about my wonderful guests. And today we have Evan. But before we jump into the topic of slacklining, I'm sure the listeners would love to learn more about who you are. And I know it's a cliche question to ask, but who is Evan? I am a 25-year-old young guy. I like the outdoors. I like bike. I like slacklining, obviously. It's a very outdoors activity. But I also like pool. I also like just learning about new things. I also like putting myself out there. That's why I'm on here. Boom. It was made in heaven. It was like a match made. It had to happen. And you're, he's not doing slacklining with a bike. Unless you are. That'd be pretty impressive. Honestly, that <laughs> is one of my items on the bucket list. I have seen it done. It is actually a very impressive stunt. If you look up Danny McCaskill slacklining, he does it between two uh, points on a mountain. It is an amazingly inspiring video. Okay, so you know what? We're going to dive into even that as well. But I would imagine pogo stick slacklining, not a thing yet or ever. That I have not seen. <laughs> I have seen juggling. I have seen martial arts. I have seen fire. Uh, what do you call those? The fire sticks. People twirl around. There is all manner of things you can do on a slackline. But the line itself is not on fire. Also a possibility. <laughs> a dangerous possibility, but still a possibility. So yes, we're going to jump into that topic of today. But before we do that, do you have any social media links, websites, projects, or anything at all that you would love to share so people can come show you some love? The only thing I have is an Instagram. I post my Slackline stuff on there occasionally. It's nothing impressive. It's nowhere near any of the stuff we just talked about. But it is Evan, my first name, spelled the way it is, followed by D-R-E-Y-A-S. Perfect. I'll put that down in the description below so people can come follow your journey and give some support. All right. And now we're going to jump into the topic of slacklining. Now, before I ask all the ridiculous questions I have, mind giving a definition of what slacklining might be? The shortest definition that I can give is that it is a stretchy tightrope. So it's a very thin piece of material, webbing technically. It's not a rope, but you set it up between two items. You walk on it through midair, basically. It is very fun. It's very focused on balance. It's a very good sport. And I've seen like people on videos doing flips and stuff like that. And it's all about aiming. You want, you don't want to land in the wrong spot. That might hurt. <laughs> no, not at all. That is actually one of the disciplines. They call that trick lining. Uh, there are other types you can do. You can just go for length, for distance. That's called long lining. You can go for height up between two canyons or cliffs or even buildings. That's called high lining. And then there's a whole bunch of little different variations that you can do. But the main point is that it is a stretchy tightrope. That stretch, I think, is key because tightrope's in the name. It's tight. Slack lines are a lot more bouncy. They're a lot more playful, almost. Then speaking of which, how would you define your style? Like, what do you prefer to do on a slack line? I am... A bit of everything. I don't like to focus on the length. I don't like to focus on the height because that takes just years and years of training and endurance. I prefer to just do the regular sort of low lining. You pick two trees in a park, you walk a comfortable distance, maybe do some yoga poses or some impressive balance type martial arts poses, but nothing too crazy. It's just your 
standard slacklining. And actually, how did you actually get introduced to it? Did you see like on TV, YouTube, or you went to a park and you saw somebody do it and you said, wow, I'd like to give that a try? Well, that was kind of how it happened. I'd heard about it, kind of seen it when I was in high school, and it was just sort of becoming popular. But then there was this uh, music festival in our city called the Jazz Festival. And a bunch of people were in a park next to one of the stages. That way you get to hang out in the park, listen to the music, mostly for free. You can't see the artist. But it's still a wonderful environment. There were, I think, six lines set up between various trees in the park. And it was an impromptu party. So I was watching for a while, and I was very impressed by the things that I was seeing. One of them was friendly enough to ask, hey, do you want to come try this? So I did. It took me an hour to be able to walk a distance without assistance or without falling down. But it was definitely worth it. I would imagine like the first time you actually got on it, you were like trying to worry about finding your balance. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you have to put yourself in like some sort of mental space to just try to keep focused so you don't. It's like you're in the zone. So how long did it take you to figure that out? Like, they, all right, this is my safe space. This is my mental thought. Like, what do you tend to focus on when you do it? That, I think, is different for everybody. But it's not so much a conscious effort. It's really about training yourself to relax and to put things out of your mind. Because when you first start, you're actually trying to balance and you're trying to use muscles in your legs that have never been used for what you're trying to use them for. So it takes, I think, maybe a week to two weeks before you start to lose the initial shakiness. When you get on, the line will just shake uncontrollably. But once you kind of get that, then it's all about relaxing. It's about breathing. It's about letting yourself and the lines sort of flow together. It's really not about focusing on one specific thing. It's a lot like learning how to ride a bike. In a sense, yes. And then there's learning how to ride a bike and then learning how to ride a bike on a tightrope or slackline. So that's that's another level of relearning how to ride a bike. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I cannot wait to get there. So speaking about how you want to try a bike on this, are there any other things that you would like to have or do on a slackline or a tightrope? Just as goals, uh, juggling. I don't know how to juggle, but that is something that lots of people do. And apparently it's surprisingly easy. And you're not going to start off with juggling uh, chainsaws, right? Or is it like, you know, go big or go home? I'll start with the hacky sacks because they're soft. <laughs> Yet another thing I've seen on the slack line is hacky sacks. Really? Like, so actually hacky sacking or just actually juggling the hacky sacks? Juggling is whatever people juggle with. But the hacky sacks, it's more like one foot sort of juggling. If you've seen that the way they loop their feet around it and that kind of thing, seeing that too. So the better question to ask is what can't you do on a slack line? Probably your taxes. Well, you know, you could probably do your taxes on there. Oh yeah. I just (laughs) sit on my phone and read sometimes. In terms of, I guess, just progression, like the skills I don't have and the skills I want would actually be something like highlining because that once you're up way in the air and you can't see the ground and that changes your focus completely because you start focusing on what's not there. I would like to get... The skill, honestly, just the muscle strength to pull myself up from underneath. Because the way I do it in the park, you have the ground to help you get up. If you're up between the cliffs, there's nothing to push off of. You have to pull yourself up. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine tightrope and slacklining, there's different types of equipment. I would imagine slacklining, using your bare feet are better. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but tightrope, if you're at that altitude, maybe it's better to use some sort of special shoe. Am I right or wrong? You're close. Shoes on slack lines are actually no big deal. You kind of lose a little bit of feel from your foot to the line, but ultimately it does protect you. The line can get kind of sharp under the tensions that you put it under, so it can hurt your feet. And also up in the air, just cold or whatever, that would help protect you. Tight ropes, they are more 
steel, like they're rigid, they're solid. Just for beginners, I would say no shoe. So you can just feel the line and get used to the tension underneath. But once you know how to do it, kind of like riding a bike, you can start to focus on other things about it, like what you're wearing. And for riding a bike, it's probably recommended to wear a shoe. <laughs> Definitely. I have tried that. It is not fun. Those pedals will claw your feet. And then if they don't hit your feet, they're going to come and hit your shin. Oh, yes, indeed. And for you, what would you say is the best part about slacklining on a personal and an emotional level? Being in nature is really my biggest draw. It's my favorite thing about it. Just to be in nature, in the solitude, to focus, relax on everything, get yourself out of whatever your life is telling you, whatever sort of things are stressing you out. You can just focus on balance. You can breathe and relax and feel everything around you. That to me is the most wonderful part of it. And speaking about being in nature, do you have a preferred place you like to go? Let's say a park that you have these two trees are like the perfect distance for you to practice a set of a routine or do you just like trying it in new places every time? I like going to new places. There's a couple parks in the city that I go to on a regular basis. Uh, there's one just filled. It's like 50, 60 pine trees arranged in a grid pattern. You can set up any length you want between any of those trees. But there's other spots with just better views or with softer grass or even just closer to my house. And I sort of rotate between them. I don't have a preferred spot, I would say. And you were talking about length. So for you, what is your preferred length to practice on? My preferred length would be probably 60 to 70 feet. Metric people like Canadians like me, that would be, I think, 25 to 30 meters. I'm Canadian as well. So it's a, I get the distance. <laughs> <laughs> it's that eternal toss-up which do you go for because you should use metric but you use feet anyways a combination of both makes the whole world happy <laughs> oh yes <laughs> and so do you prefer to do tricks or more just mastering balance and let's say like you said you just sometimes you just read on it like you could do it in your sleep if you can sleep slack line that's pretty impressive <laughs> i never got there <laughs> i can lay down on it so that is actually kind of fun sitting is really like the most fun thing to do, most relaxing, most neutral. It's the most neutral thing to do when you just sit on the slack line and then all you have to do is keep your torso up and you're good. Standing requires more effort. Doing anything requires more effort. Sitting is a nice, easy thing to do. But really, I just like mastering the different poses that you can get into. So it's tricks in a sense of poses, but it's not tricks like jumping or flipping. It's not the kind of stuff that's going to terribly injure you. If I was going to go on it, everything would injure me automatically. <laughs> but uh, I forgot to mention, I talked about the distance, the length of it, but what about height? Do you like to do it? Because you're sitting, I would imagine you want it so your feet don't necessarily touch the ground when you're sitting, or I could be wrong. Do you, what, what would be your preferred height to do your slack line? Uh, usually between my waist and my chest. So that's like five feet, we'll call it. There's a certain danger aspect. The longer it gets, because it's a stretchy material, as it gets longer, you have to set it higher up just so that the middle won't touch the ground when you step on it. Because once you put your own weight, that's 150 to 200 pounds, depending on how much a person weighs, that can seriously affect how tight it has to be and how much stretch and all these kinds of factors. So if you go for seriously, seriously long lengths, it can actually be 15, 20 feet in the air. And it's almost more dangerous to walk on those than it is to walk on a high line amongst the cliffs where you're actually tied in with a harness. And speaking about being dangerous, I'm going to have to bring up the topic of injuries. Have you ever injured yourself, let's say, whether you fall, fell off awkwardly or let's say the line broke after wear and tear? Well, I've been pretty lucky. I've uh, The most serious injury, I think, is when I just landed on my wrist one time and anybody who's fallen off a bike or a skateboard or too high, they know what that feels like. It's not a major injury, but it just puts you back for a few weeks. 
other stuff just scrapes from the grass or one thing that can actually happen is like road rash or rug burn on your side if it gets caught in a certain area it'll drag up along your skin that can be kind of painful there's a trick called a double knee drop and that's where you hang both knees off of one side and your back goes over the other side so kind of like you're just doing a power slide with a guitar but on a line that i wouldn't even call it an injury but it just tears up your shin and that's part of the endurance that you have to learn yeah, there's been no major injuries for me. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. There's no major injuries and you just have the courage to keep on going. And here you are today talking on my podcast about how <laughs> if I do it, I might have minimal injuries. <laughs> I am definitely a cautious person, though. I did learn how to fall and there have been plenty of worse injuries from people less experienced than me. I have avoided the most dreadful injury that every beginner is worried about. And I'm proud to say that you may be able to guess what it is. You're walking on a tightrope. It, it falls <laughs> between your two legs. It's not going to be pretty. Nope. No, they'll, they'll set you back for a while. <laughs> yeah. So how often do you go slacklining, whether it's like, say, for practice or you go with friends or anything like that? Uh, it used to be a lot more. Like when I first started, that was seven years ago, I think, I was going out two or three times a week, at least. And these would be long sessions. They would be on the weekend, two or three hours at a time, some of the weekdays. Just anytime the weather was nice, I would be out in the park with the slack line. Later, as I'm starting to get a bit older, I'm not old enough yet, but I'm at that point where I'm starting to notice age. I'm just, I'm too tired after work these days, and the weather isn't always cooperative, and I don't want to just put myself out in the rain and the snow like I used to. So I'd say nowadays it's once a week or even less. So you mentioned putting yourself out in the snow. Have you ever done slack lining in the snow? Yes, I have. It is. Definitely a different feel than it is in the summer. Because in the summer, it's kind of a relaxing out in the park day. In the winter, it is training. It is going out there. I've got a set decision in mind where I want to go. I've got moves that I want to practice. I'm going to do that until I get tired or too wet. For, and then I'm going to go home. It's not the sort of fun open ended day that the summer can be. Well, at least you have a little bit more padding if you fall, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And when you do go slackline, do you prefer to go alone or with company? I actually prefer the company. I like that initial festival environment that I was in when I first discovered slacklining. That sort of just people around, good music, good vibes, these interesting discussions and comparisons of progress. But I don't have the community, the social community to do that. Not all of my friends are interested in slacklining. The people who were have sort of moved on in a way and... Even just the popularity of the sport has died down a little bit. You don't see it out as much. So I will go alone, and it's a very fun time alone. But I prefer to go with company, with people who are excited about it and just impressed and having a good time. Well, the popularity popularity will come back after this co episode comes out. People will be like, you know what? I like what Evan is saying. Where does he live? Well, no, I'm kidding. I'm not. It's like, where does he live? <laughs> We're going to find out. We're going to go slacklining with him. And actually, another odd topic. How many actual lines have you gone through in the like in the past? I have never broken a line, but I have currently one, two, three, four, six slack lines. Four of them are just the standard tubular stuff that you could buy at MEC or REI. One of them is a specialty line called Sky Pilot that's meant for the people who go between cliffs. It's got a very different feel. Another one is a trick line that it's the two-inch Gibbons Surfer line, I think it's called. That's kind of good for bouncing. and it's Yeah. It's kind of like uh, food in the sense where 
you don't get everything from one type of food. You get your little pleasure from every different type of food. And it, the same thing applies for a slack line. You won't get the perfect slack line that can adapt to your mood to this day. Like, you know what? Today I want to be more bouncy. Snap your fingers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely that. And I mean, that happens with everybody's hobby. Like there's always little distinctions and little things that you can focus on and want to do differently. And this is a really odd segue, but speaking about difference, what would you say is your strongest quality? Would you say it's speed, strength, agility, technique, balance? Uh, my strongest quality is definitely surfing. Uh, they call it surfing. I don't know why, but that's essentially a swinging motion. If you can imagine just being on a swing, except you're doing that with your feet, that's really fun to do if you just set the line with no tension in it at all. It's like a giant swing that you control by yourself. It's a lot of fun to do that. And then sitting, I guess, would be my next strongest move. Walking backwards is a really fun thing to do, and it looks super impressive, but it's surprisingly easy. And in my opinion, it's actually easier to learn to walk backwards than it is to go forwards because you're just you're getting away from looking at the tree from focusing on the ground doing all that you're learning to just feel where it is based on how your muscles are moving like reach for the line with your feet and you know my front foot is here so my back foot has to go to there even though you can't see it you just feel where that goes it's kind of like you get connected to the line kind of cool in a sense yeah you definitely develop your proprioception sense and when you were talking about surfing have you ever tried with just one leg and like, we'll say uh, maybe your right leg's more dominant than your left leg, but have you tried it with both? Yeah, I try to mix it up. I do tend to be one-sided, which is not my ideal set. But once you get good at one side, you just like to go with that side because you can actually do something. You don't want to fall off 10 times on your bad side just to say that you can do both sides. But yeah, going one leg, going front foot or left foot first, right foot first, even just changing the way your hips move. You can do all of that. You're saying I can do all that or like in theory? Because I don't think I can do any of that. <laughs> Not at this point, unless one you give me some. Yeah, <laughs> one can, except Alex. Everyone but Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when it comes to slacklining, what are some do's and don'ts that people should keep in mind if they want to try it out? Definitely protect the trees. They're very valuable parts of the ecosystem. And when you, you're basically like choking them off when you tie something really tight around two trees and then put pressure on it, you're choking them. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to rub the bark off. You want to use like towels or rags or even just old clothes that you don't need anymore. Put those underneath your anchor points. That's more of a technical thing. For just the general person who wants to try it, I would say go ahead and actually try it. And don't give up very soon because it takes time. It's not something that your body is used to doing. It's not something that people do on a regular basis. So you're going to suck at first, but that's okay because everybody does. The only people that are really amazing right off the bat are children because they don't weigh very much and they're they're just not used to sucking so they're more like <laughs> yeah let's try it again adults get this idea in their head of i have to be good at something right away or it's not worth doing and that's just not true like you can go you can suck at something for two months or three months or a year and if you're having fun just keep doing it and i could also imagine for children if they fall off they just bounce with a scratch and they keep going when we get a little <laughs> older let's say past 25 year mark you fall your back hurts for <laughs> months <laughs> you're like okay i I've, i just got older i could definitely agree <laughs> with that statement and for you what was your biggest challenge when you first started slacklining my first challenge i would say was getting steady honestly cuz that doesn't come naturally when you initially stand up on the line it's a very distinct and beginner wobble i can't even like 
demonstrate it anymore because my body has trained itself not to do that. But that's just the result of your muscles trying to overcompensate because they don't know how to keep your balance on something that is so sensitive. It's kind of like um, when you try to balance like a long stick on your hand, like you're jittering your hand all around to make sure you get the balance. But I'm sure after a lot of practice, like you did for yourself, you kind of can read what you kind of, it's kind of like chess where you kind of predict what the next move is going to be. Oh yeah, for sure. This actually ties into another one of my hobbies though, uh, pool, the pleasure of small motions. That's a book that sort of describes a way of looking at pool. And the gist of it is that the reason that people like me like this kind of thing is because it's not big, impressive, sudden movements that you have to master. You have to master very small and very distinct motions that are almost imperceptible to somebody who isn't looking for them. And just because that is so hard, that's why we like it. That's what gives us pleasure. It's those small motions. And I bet you, you make it look so easy. (laughs) (laughs) People are impressed. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but I'm sure this comes with years and years of practice. So for today, what is your current biggest challenge? My current biggest challenge is getting up the motivation to do it. All the friends that I used to have, they're all out of the city. They're all out having rock climbing adventures and other outdoorsy stuff that is really fun. And I can't blame or fault them for that. But it's hard to just get the motivation up when I'm the only one that wants to. The weather hasn't been great lately. I've been tired from work because the workload has increased. Yeah, it's not really a slacklining specific challenge, but it is something that is affecting my hobby. It's more of an adult challenge. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Well, this is why we have you here to make time for your hobby, whether we're just talking about it. And now you're like, damn it, Alex, I'm inspired. I'm going to do, imagine you're doing it right now as we speak. Yeah, you know, it's just, you're so, so balanced. You're like, I can focus on this conversation, answering these stupid questions and slackline at the same time. That would have been a fun gimmick. <laughs> Could you imagine for every single one of my guests, they're actually doing their hobby. It might be, <laughs> I have one who was about scuba diving, might be a little hard. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it exists, but uh, slacklining, I would see it's like in the same realm as gymnastics and balance and stuff like that. Are there any studios where you can go practice slacklining? Let's say during the wintertime, we can't do it outdoors. Um, some rock climbing gyms have introduced slacklines as something or one of their features. You set up a slackline between two anchors in the rock climbing gym or even just some regular gyms. Uh, there's nothing around here that does that. I've been dedicated enough to go do it myself in the winter. But if other people are looking to try it, there are options for indoors or beginners. Some parks have them set up. Muscle Beach, I think that's Santa Monica. That's got a pretty prolific slackline park. But you know what? We need more in Canada. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) So people who are listening, who are thinking of opening up a slackline gym, uh, Evan and I would uh, would promote it, right? Yeah, we would endorse it. We definitely (laughs) would, yeah. And then, you know, you bring Evan in, make him CEO of the Slackline gym. We'll call it <laughs> Even Evan Slackline. <laughs> I don't know. It was a horrible it, pun. <laughs> it did remind me, though, um, in Cypress Hills Interprovincial Park, there is a Slackline grounds setup. It's not indoor. It's outdoor. But that does exist along with their zip line and other fun things that you can do. BC, Smith Rock, Whistler. I think there are places over there. If you have a backyard, I would imagine you would have put one in your backyard, right? I have tried. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, what do you mean you have tried? As in like it fell apart or squirrels ate the line? (laughs) It's in a suboptimal position. There's a walkway that goes underneath with some very sharp edges to it. So the length of the line is such that you could walk over it okay-ish, but if you fall in that spot, you're kind of hooped. Actually, speaking about that, do you have any mats? Like, listen, when you first started out, did you ever put mats 
behind it or not behind it, but underneath it in case you fell? I did not. I would just set it up low enough and I would always go over grass. A lot of the trick liners will set up mats because they will fall. And that's something you sort of have to accept. You will fall. You can either do it safely or you can do something a little bit outside of your range and learn where your limits are by falling. So, yeah, mats are a good idea for some people. By some people, Evan means Alex. (laughs) (laughs) I should just have literally a mat beside me at all times, no matter what I'm doing. Just for when you faint from hearing all these stunts. (laughs) Exactly. Just picturing it like, oh, oh, no, this is too much, too much for Alex. Uh, so has slacklining ever stressed you out? Let's say you're trying to achieve a position and it just wasn't working out for you. If so, what is your go-to de-stressor? I can't say that's happened to me. The stresses from slacklining are a little bit more on the adult side, just whether or not I can do it or if I'm letting down my friends by not doing it or if they, stuff like that. Other stresses sometimes are worrying about people on my equipment because you do it in a public space, you're going to get people coming to watch you and they're going to want to try. And I'm always very open to letting people try. Some people are not as courteous with other people's equipment as they should be. And by courteous, so what are some things people should do to respect other people's equipment? Uh, One thing is not touching it without permission. Like if I'm on there, a lot of kids sort of reach up and they think, oh, just a fun rope to climb on. They don't understand. Like there's uh, five, six hundred pounds of force on that thing at a minimum. Sometimes you can get up into 1,000, 15,000, or 1,500, sorry. So if you pull on that when someone's on the line and it comes back, snaps you in the face, that is a serious injury. And other people, they might try to like just cut it or like playfully, deliberately try to throw you off the line. Their carabiners, other climbing equipment, those can open. If you try to deliberately open them, that can throw things off, that can wreck equipment. So it's nothing, nothing bad has ever happened to me, but sometimes I just wish that people would not do that stuff. This sounds stupid, but I think I have a solution. What's that? You get those orange orange pylons, you put it around the slack line, <laughs> and you wear one of those like construction yellow vests. So so we're like, okay, this is some city work right here. <laughs> yeah, one time a guy asked me if I was trying to take a tree down. <laughs> <laughs> Just by having the rope on it and, and doing the axe or whatever he thought I had in my bag. <laughs> You're like, he's, yeah, 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 I'm taking the tree down by pulling it from the other tree. It's a, a mutual tree pole. They're, they're actually both coming down. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you get people from all walks of life, some curious people and some with interesting questions such as that individual. Oh, yeah, that is true. And on a different note, what are some misconceptions about people who do slacklining? Training for the circus is the most common one because they see it. They think it's a tightrope. They don't understand the stretchy, bouncy difference, which honestly isn't a huge difference. I could probably walk a tightrope if I ever found one. Doesn't mean I want to. I prefer the fun bounciness. But people still think I'm training for the circus or that I'm busking. Or Hopefully nobody threw money at you while you were on the line. <laughs> they didn't throw money at me, but one time I, my hat fell off and I went back on the line. And when I came back to get my hat, there was money in it. <laughs> really? Yeah. You say your hat fell off, quote unquote. <laughs> the wind blew it off. <laughs> it relates to that double drop knee that I mentioned. On my Instagram, there's a photo of me doing it. But if you're about to fall and you go forward, you can do a shoulder roll which looks the most impressive way to fall and also kind of throws your hat to your sunglasses or whatever's loose on your body and throws it off. It's the elegant fall. I would be the one that just falls flat on my face and just lay there and like reevaluate my entire life. <laughs> and what has slacklining taught you in life? Speaking about life. Taught me that like not everybody enjoys the same things. I really like slacklining. I find it a very peaceful, motivating thing to do. But not everybody thinks that walking in a straight line 
on hard mode is a fun thing to do. And also, even just the very impressive things, they don't feel impressive to me. But I've also spent many years doing it. I've spent many years learning just one thing, small thing. It all adds up over time to make it look super impressive. But I never really felt like I was being impressive or that, or that I was showing off or I was learning a cool stunt. It was just like, this is the next thing that I can do because I already know how to do so many things. And speaking of which, what is the next thing you want to do if you have a next thing on the list? With slacklining? Yes. Or with just life in general? <laughs> right, let's, <laughs> let's stick with uh, slacklining. Life in general will be for my next podcast. Time for your life reevaluation. <laughs> <laughs> Forget the hobbies. That's only one <laughs> exactly. For me, I think it would be really fun to learn how to do it up high. I have been on a midline. Sort of the medium point, the very lowest high line you can have is a midline. But I've never been able to stand up on that. And that I think would be a very fun thing to do because it's like walking with your eyes closed, but worse. And you really have to trust your equipment at that point. When you're down low, you only have the ground. When you're up high, you have the ground, but a lot further down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you don't want to meet the ground from up there. Yeah. But it is very impressive and it's kind of within my reach. I know I could do it. I just need to get the equipment. I need to I need to put in the effort. I have to be willing to risk that fall. It won't be a long fall. It'll be just a short two-foot leash, but it would still be a fall through midair, and until that leash catches you, you're falling. Which could be pretty scary within that time, but yeah, as long as you put in the practice and you build up some confidence and have maybe a community or the right equipment, anything is possible. Exactly. And speaking about anything being possible for people who are listening and who might be interested in this hobby, do you have any word of advice for them? I would say keep trying because you're not going to be great when you start, but it is worth doing. It is a very fun, relaxing hobby. It gets you out into nature. You can set it up most places. You have to look for the trees and everything, but really just keep persevering. Look for inspiration online, but don't expect to measure up just go out and make your own measure and then live up to that you know what i hear nine out of ten doctors recommend that people listen to this specific episode about slacklining while slacklining to become better at slacklining <laughs> that is wonderful advice yeah, exactly and after you listen to this episode you got to go check out everything evan has online about slacklining which is the oddest segue i've done so far about uh social media do you have any social media links or websites or projects that you would like to share so people could come show some love for me it is just my instagram evan dreas e-v-a-n-d-r-e-y-a-s that's all that i've got but there are other people online you can check out ryan jenks you can check out sketchy andy you can check out faith dickey they're all wonderful models and educators for slackliners in general perfect i'll put well, you know, I'll put yours down and if people are interested, they'll go check out because I want people to just come to you first. You are yeah. the main focus of attention at this point. Well, thank you very much. And now kind of switching the focus of attention. I was kind of rude of me to just say that. Uh, do you have any questions for me about slacklining? It was a horrible segue. Well, I would like to ask if you would ever consider trying it. I would love trying it. The thing is, like, I was always concerned, like you were saying, I would not be the type of person that would just go up and touch, hey, is this your slack line? And just start shaking it. No, it's, uh, I, would, I wouldn't do that. No, I, I'd be yeah. Yeah, kind of intimidated. Like, oh, no, they're, they're focused. I don't want to. But uh, if somebody's like watching me, watching them kind of not in a creepy way, I'd be like, I'd give it a try. I'd definitely focus on the balance yeah. aspect because I have no balance. 
whatsoever. I'm six foot two, but let's say with Canadian measurement, I am 1.88 meters. See, feet and metric system. Boom, both right there. Yeah, so, but I, I've balance has never been my thing, but yeah, I'd love to give it a try. A lot of people say that, but the truth is with slacklining, you don't necessarily have to focus on the balance because as long as you relax and you let all your weight go to the bottom of the line, the line is going to hold you up. You could only fall by putting your balance off to the side or by trying to move in a way that it's not expecting to. So it's really about that relaxing. And of course, I would hold your hand because <laughs> everybody needs their hand held at the beginning. I did. <laughs> like I said, it took me an hour before I could walk without someone holding my hand. Is it like a power grip? Your hand turns purple by the <laughs> end of the line. <laughs> well, you know what? If if I ever do come along wherever you live and then you have the slack line, I'll be like, Evan, it's me, Alex, from afar, coming in. <laughs> Teach me. Teach me your ways. <laughs> you can hit me up anytime. Perfect. Perfect. Cool. We'll schedule that in the future once social distancing has reduced and then we can go back to somewhat of a normal life. So, uh, yes. Thanks. So there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Evan, for coming on and just sharing your love for slacklining and also talking about type rope, not type rope, tight rope. Well, I guess it's a type of rope. Sorry for rambling there. Yes. Yeah, so thank you so much for just sharing all those. Uh, I cannot thank you enough. It was my pleasure. If you guys want to learn more about Evan, you should go check him out on Instagram. I'll put his link down below. So it'll be very easy to click and you just go there. Like all the photos. You have to. It's the law. You got to like every single photo. Leave a comment on every single photo. Say, I like to do that trick. And he'll probably tell you, you can do that this way. And I'll hold your hand online. <laughs> so <laughs> social distancing, holding hands. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast and want to leave a review, hey, by all means, I will not say no. It could be good or bad. I will accept reviews. Also, if you want to show some more support, this is completely optional. You can go buy some merchandise on Redbubble with the Time for Your Hobby logo on things you do not need. And of course, also completely optional, I also have a Patreon. Which, you know, if you are interested, you can go show some support there as well. But once again, the keyword optional. But you know what you do have to do? You do have to go show Evan some support. Absolutely. So once again, thank you so much, Evan. You're welcome. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>